it's Monday, and I sat down with Deb Gilmore and Maddie Clauser of Secret Nudist Friends and Good How Are You Records. We talked about their projects, how to approach going to house shows for the first time, how projects develop, and the constant creative growth we go through. It was a blast hanging and talking with both of them. Uh, listen and share this episode. Rate on Apple iTunes I, if you haven't, because this is the next step of this podcast being relevant, and I like that idea. Also, make sure to come to Johnny Brenda's this Saturday, February 9th, to see Secret Nudist Friends um, with Wells. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. Share with your friends, uh, and I hope you find some new music on this playlist. No, no just chitting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have Deb Gilmore and Maddie Clauser. Did I say that right? Huh? Perfect. Of uh, Secret Nudist Friends and so, so, so much more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I love that both of you have a very uh, extensive background in the Philly music scene. Um, how do you describe Secret Nudist Friends to someone who might not have listened yet? We kind of have been battling with that question recently. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I would say, like, somewhere between psych and surf and garage rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want... With a bit of post-punk and yeah, a, bit of the Philly, yeah. a bit of Philly punk, but with a bit of, like, West Coast and a bit of everything else. Yeah, we, we dip our toe in a lot of genres, but I think one description that somebody gave of us recently that I think is a better descriptor oh, is that we are very fun-loving. You yeah. are fun. So it's really like music. That. Yeah. Um it is. So I made I make the little notes to um keep myself on track and um one of the things is because it, a lot of times you guys are described as psychedelic garage mm-hmm. punk rock mm-hmm. type thing. Um it does. It does work because it just depends on what song you're listening yeah. to. Because some songs have um, more yeah. of that like West Coast surf rock yeah. sound, and the other ones are very like yes, very psychedelic kind of. Wait until something you hear the shit you... we're playing. I mean, yeah. the stuff recorded is nothing. Oh really? Oh yeah. Like it's 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 since since Deb joined the band as the writing team, man. There were, we have we have some stuff. Yeah, we're definitely pushing. I think farther into the psych rock mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. Um, recently, and, that, and that's been, like, a very natural thing, but also, yeah. like, today, we were fooling oh around with a very, like, what would you describe I it? said, like, ESG, B-52s-esque, kind of, oh, like... I love like, B-52s. Like, kind of, like, yeah. that, that stripped-down, kind of, like, like femme-queer-punk, kind yeah. of, like, like dancey. tall, dancey. Dancey, yeah. yeah. I love, um, I always think B-52s, we discussed this last, is last episode with Dom, is that mm-hmm. it's just, they're so underrated. Because they only are known. Yeah. yeah. The first two albums are perfect. Right. I Planet Claire is a, a great song and I just wish more people would listen that to That was almost on my playlist. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Listening to both of your playlists, uh, you definitely can tell the influences, but it doesn't mean that you sound like the bands that are on your playlist. Um, I, a really interesting thing, Missy, who's in the band, mm-hmm. I said to her, we were, we were running around doing errands, and I said something when I was finishing the playlist before I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, because I always say, um, why the hell am I making guitar music in 2019? I always say that. I say that all the time. <laughs> why am I making guitar music in yeah. 2019? And... When I was looking at my playlist, I'm like, oh my god, there's so much guitar music on this. So because much. So much of what I listen to now, mm-hmm. new artists, yeah. is not guitar music. Oh, okay. I'm very picky about 
guitar music in 2019. Totally. But I'm still really inspired by a lot of music that yeah. has guitars. It's so funny. And you play bass, right, Dad? Yes. Okay, so I, it's yeah. so funny because a lot of your music on your playlist is very bass driven mm -hmm. and you can and I can feel that you know, and I knew that, that you, you were, mentioned yeah. that, so that actually is true which I wasn't even thinking about and, and also I mean realizing like the songs that are that have bass in them are definitely like bass heavy oh, and yeah. then in my contrast I chose like folk songs and I'm also a, a folk, folk singer yes, so exactly. it totally makes sense I didn't um, think it, it was definitely not knowing you guys right off the bat but mm -hmm. knowing your band and having some sort of idea of like what your projects are behind and obviously the uh, the instruments that you play I could definitely tell both aspects but it wasn't as if you were copying you were just like with your music it's just that you can tell that you have great See, I like drummers I hate guitar players really well, I play drums in oh, okay blush, yeah and I've always wanted to play drums in a band mm -hmm. and it's the first band I've ever played in and I truly like that's what I do for fun I play yeah. drums for fun, fun. Okay. I write music on guitar that Does that make sense? I, feel, I, I, I play bass for fun and, and I write, write on guitar. On guitar. Yeah. I like that. Easier. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Drum, drums to me speak to my soul more, mm -hmm. but like melody also speaks to my soul, and guitar is the perfect instrument to write melodies melody. around. Yeah, of because course. it's so that's easy really to compose around. Mm -hmm. that's but what I, people do. I also think that, like, to, to your point in terms of like how, you know, the different types of songs that we chose influence. The music that we make but they're not like we're not copying i think that like we found that in general that uh, all all of us in the band but maddie and i have noticed especially like listen to a lot so many different genres yeah. of music i think that's key and though. like we and i think as as songwriters and missy too just all of us as songwriters like Part of being a good songwriter is being able to recognize good songwriting. Yeah. Yes. I'm a songwriting yeah. is in like that's like some of the songs on that I put on the playlist mm -hmm. are just like songwriting is probably the, yeah. main, the main my main interest. Oh, for sure. Knowing not the songs that you guys are talking about, yeah. like in the back. Thing. And there's different ways that I really respect songwriters because mm -hmm. I, I like I have a lot of different types of songwriters mm -hmm. I like. Yeah, yeah, of course. So when did the band start to form and how has it kind of evolved? Brief history? I yeah, brief, brief nice. history. I'm the nice. only semi-original member okay. of this band. I did not start this band. Oh, wow. So I was in a... Okay, so I was um, bouncing back and forth. I grew up in, in New York. Okay. I moved to Philly about seven, eight years ago. Okay. I Philly, fuck New York. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what part no, of New York? I, no, um, I grew up in Brooklyn and Long Island. Oh, okay, so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To quote Trash Boy, our label made it's fuck New York. Okay. Um, Trash Boy played a Shout sick out. show last night. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, my, my college best friend, I've, I've also bounced around a lot of colleges, mm -hmm. too, but when I, when I finished college, I went to Hunter in, in New York, and my best friend, who literally, like, we were each other's shadows musically, yeah. also one of those people who can play every instrument and perfect pitch, and pretty, pretty unbelievable musician. I don't think I'd be making music if it weren't for Ed, so... That's Ed is, great. you know, we're, we're a bit estranged now, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, like, I wouldn't be the musician or a quarter of the musician I am if it wasn't for, like, he was probably more influential than any other musician I've ever met. That's um, great. So great we were in a bunch of different bands based in both Philly and New York, because mm -hmm. I was bouncing back and forth between home and there, and he was kind of dabbling and maybe moving to Philly. Yeah. So we're in this Philly band called the Fancy Balloons. I like that And <laughs> it was kind of like a arty kind of like, we wanted to be a balloon and dirty projector, and mm -hmm. kind of wanted to be a lot of things. A little weird. obscure. Yeah. yeah. But, but Ed, we were all writing, and Ed yeah. started to write these like more rock and roll songs, and I was so into them, but they just didn't fit. And we were like battling over, what should we play, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, and Ed, 
meanwhile, had produced a very secret 4chan famous album under the name Secret Nudist Friends. Oh. Um, that was called Forgot the Sunscreen, yeah. which you can find on our band cab, and it's all Ed Crosney. Really? We don't play any of that music, <laughs> nor do we know how to play any of it, nor does Ed, I think, anymore. Um, but yeah, he had, and the name comes from um, him and his now wife were uh, bouncing around the nude beaches of Jersey and started getting invited to all these swingers parties in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. That's a great story. <laughs> and, um, when he was like finishing this album, like completely unrelated, he was like ready, he was frustrated over a name, mm -hmm. but one of the biggest influences both of him and I is mm -hmm. on Unmortal Orchestra, and he wanted to do a play on that kind of wording. Yeah. And so his his now wife said, it's like, you want to go see our secret nudist friends? And he was like, Unknown Board Orchestra, secret nudist friends. There you go. That's and awesome. And that's where the name came from. So anyway, mm -hmm. Fancy Balloons started writing a bunch of songs, and I just didn't fit. So mm -hmm. I was like, two state solution, two band solution. You and I will start a New York band mm -hmm. called Secret Nudist Friends, which eventually... Once we found Brian, like we bounced around with some yeah. drummers, then we found Brian. Brian joined, became a Philly band. Ed never moved, kind of like went his separate ways and lived his life. Yeah. Then we found Andy, who played with us for a while and really helped get the band on its feet. Um, but before Andy, I had asked Deb to join. Oh, yeah. So when, so when Andy <laughs> finally. Like a when, wee when, little 18 year old. Yeah. Like... So at a certain <laughs> point, Andy was just like, I don't know if the touring life is for me. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if he's been touring a lot or writing yeah. a lot. And it was just like, you know, probably I'm going to bounce in a few months. And the, like literally that day I called you and I was like, we were on the phone for like three or four hours. This, I was yeah, like, this is, I was like, uh, this last, is so like, important. April. Oh, last, okay. Last April. And I'm just like, yeah. Deb, please. And it was just like, I, 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 I just felt. The plea I actually, of... you didn't even call me first. You texted me. I remember this. That was I, was, I was just I was <laughs> at home, like yeah. whatever. And I get this text from Maddie that's just like. Do you want to join Secret Nudist Friends? <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's what I did. Of course. And, and I kind of like sat with it and I was like, well. All the responsibilities yeah, going through exactly, your head. But, it's a yeah. lot. And I remember, yeah. so I, I, then I like called one of my friends. Oh, by the way, we, we, we skipped Missy Joy. Missy, right, yeah. so, okay. so shortly after Andy joined, Missy joined because we always wanted a keyboard player from the beginning. Yeah. And Missy had never played keyboard before, That's so we went, we went and bought a shitty Casio, and Missy learned by necessity, and like, you know, and now, now, she's now, 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 yeah. now, now she, you know, now, now she likes playing keyboard more than guitar. No, but that's great for yeah. someone who might be listening and is just like, I really want to be in a band yeah. and I, I, but like, I don't know how to do it or oh, yeah. like, I, that's sometimes you just have to like, just jump, jump. yeah, just jump. jump. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's like, what's been so cool about Missy is that yeah. she, you know, it, it took it really slow at first and then the more like encouraged she got and the more excited she got about it, the took more, lessons, yeah, she took yeah. lessons, yeah. she's like, okay, now I really want to commit to this. Learned how to do like synthesis. And, like, and, like really and it's a blank canvas. Like yeah, not totally. that's what's so cool yeah. about the keyboard. Just is that coming it really straight is. in. Yeah, it's a blank canvas coming straight in, and it's what you want to put into it. And sometimes just even the simplest keys make the biggest some, difference. There are some yeah. songs where she'll just like hold, hold the notes chord. Out. Yeah, and she's got so many compliments from people. Oh, like just like the the control and like the reserve. Yeah, yeah. you know. But and, and Missy always goes, "That's actually all I can do." Yeah. But I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I'm very yeah. excited but, but that we, you we know that. Like, yeah. You know, I keep saying to her, she's selling herself short because, like, she she knows more than I do at this point yeah, easily. Yeah. I was watching a really cool interview with Sheila E, and she was talking about sometimes less is more. Um, she, like, used to work with Chuck Berry and oh, a lot wow. of the okay. soul okay. funk, oh, and so cool. she was, like, going over um, drumming. If you love drummers, you should watch I love her. simplicity in drumming. Yeah, it's, that's exactly. She was doing, like, ghost beats, and she was just saying, like, 
it's really just about like feeling the space in between oh the notes. This, this yeah. is every conversation. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is every band practice. How much do I talk about the space in between? Yeah, the notes? yeah. yeah. It's I'm just, obsessed yeah. with it. It's just because like giving yourself that space. You don't have to have a drum fill oh every God, time. Yes. You don't have to because oh it's just, yeah. It's and the same thing with yeah. bass. Like the best bass players simple. play the simple lines. Yeah. Funk yeah. basses sometimes. Our song swing song, which is not recorded right now, we we played out a lot. I pretty much am just hanging on D the entire song. Occasional yeah. C, right? Yeah, right. occasionally I'll go to C. But it's but all like, about the rhythm and the intensity. Yeah, yeah mostly yeah. just like change, changing the rhythm up, but like I don't really change notes for most of the song, and it's like that's what's needed. Yeah. That's what's James out. used to be in like with, uh, like the Motown. Yeah. He used to play with one finger, <laughs> and he used to just like mostly hang on one note. Yeah. And, and literally, if you go listen to all those things, but the lengths and the spaces yeah, is and what everything. matters the most. And that's just yeah. Dun, 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 and you're just like. So cool. And but like. Yeah. 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 So I. So like, <laughs> I got the text from Maddie. Do you want to join Secret Nudist Friends? I was kind of Yeah. <laughs> I called a friend of mine who like has you know been involved in like my life as a musician. Yeah. And I was like, listen, <laughs> Maddie just asked me to join Secret Nudist Friends, <laughs> and like they knew how. Yeah. Was, and they were like, holy shit. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'd be stupid to pass that up, right? But I'm sitting there in my head going, I'm going into my senior year of college. Like, yeah. I, I, like and I know how I'm 10 years old. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. How old are you, Maddie? I'm 32. Okay, I'm 32. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm 21. Oh. Yeah, and Brian, and then Brian and Missy fall in, like, in the middle. mid-late in the 20s. Middle. Okay. Like, Missy's yeah. 25, Brian's 27, 28? 28. Okay. So we, yeah. we have a, a 10 year yeah. age range, which yeah. I think is good. I no, think so too great. because it's different influences. Exactly. You all grew up in a different time and different, different yeah. eras of Nickelodeon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we had like the real gritty the stuff. Good shit. Yeah. We had Ren all of the stuff. And, yeah. and Cat Dog uh, and Hey Dude hey, and Pete. Hey Dude. Hey Dude. Pete and Pete. Pete, Pete. Polaris. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know any oh, of those. Oh, Polaris <laughs> is the band who goes, hey, I'm actually a So, yeah, so I, after like talk, I talked to my friend and I thought about sort of like what my criteria was and like what realistically I could give. And I remember like in my head, before I even talked to Maddie, I was like, I want to make sure that if I'm going to join this band, that I can have a hand in the songwriting and the collaborating. And like, yeah. I want to have some sort of ownership and leadership over this project. And I was getting really burnt out on being the... The everyone, everyone was because when it started it was me and Ed mm -hmm. and Ed started it. I was yeah. the secondary songwriter. I was gotcha. like, I was more of the arranger. Yeah. And I, you know, eventually became the front person. And it's sort of all writing. kind of like the logistics yeah. and a lot of stuff sort of. And I was doing too. all of the management, all of the booking. Oh. Plus, I run a booking company. Plus, I'm in other bands. Plus, we then and started a record label. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. And I'm writing these songs, and I'm like, everyone's kind of looking at me, and I specifically the reason I wanted Deb is because Deb is a musician, yeah. not a. Just a bass, you know, you're, yeah. you're a which, musician, which we and a singer, and yeah. an arranger, and a composer. Yeah. yeah, we like, on the phone, so after I was like, this is this is what I want out of it, and I was like, okay, I know what time I can give, like, realistically, and whatever. Yeah. And we got on the phone, and like, one of the first things that Maddie said is, I am tired of, you know, yeah. having so much on my plate on this band, I want somebody Both musically and logistically. Yeah, yeah. 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 I need a collaborator. Because I cared so much. Yeah. And Maddie was like, and you're a musician, and that's what, like, I, because Maddie had never,
never heard me play bass before. Oh, okay. No, I just knew you played bass. Yeah. <laughs> Deb has been just had enough trust years. in yeah. her. Yeah. Deb, Deb's yeah. been playing shows that I've booked for three years. You know, two years I think yeah. before that, and was one of the first people to play when I first got into booking. Was one of my first regulars. Was one of the first people who I was just like, I'm just so into what you do. And yeah. I think you add the right energy to the community I'm trying to cultivate. Yeah. And I, so, like... You, you want like-minded people, and yeah. you want someone who but is Deb going to care just as But Deb challenges the fuck out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I also like Deb is not, a, is not a yes man, yes woman, yes person. Deb, Deb is a perfect antithesis of so much, <laughs> and I that's need so that. That's so great. Yeah, no, you need someone that's going to challenge you and for your own personal growth. It doesn't put up my yeah. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> for, like, creative partners as well as, like... You know, like yeah. business partners, yeah. both I feel like, yeah, like it has been necessary that, you know, I, we've both been like very clear about sort of what we want and like, you know, out of this project. But yeah, I mean, like do, choosing to join this band has been like one of the best things that ever happened to me. That's honestly. great. And honestly, it's, I, I, I call it, you know, the golden age. I call it, I call it, because honestly, like, I, you know, all of the stuff that's recorded mm -hmm. is pre Deb. Oh, okay. Everything, oh, wow. that's all pre Deb. But, even those songs have changed so much the way we play them, and mm -hmm. we, we've written, we've written more music I it I love in this band that I had written in, since you joined than, you know, I, than any project I've ever been in That's because great. I yeah. love it all and it's yeah. all good and it's changed the way we all write because when Deb kind of stepped up as a as a co-writer, Missy and Brian's voices became louder, they became yeah. bigger, and I didn't even. They felt no. like that they had more of a say, even though that like you weren't they ever shooting yet. That I they never didn't. More. Yeah, it's just that they feel like that there was more of a room to say yeah. something. Yeah, definitely. And it's so cool it's now. Like we get to practices where like you know one of us will come with an idea, and then someone will be like, "But what about if we did this?" And yeah. like, let's do that instead. And yeah. it's just so like yeah. you know flowy and collaborative, and we're building these songs that like we're super proud of. Yeah. I'm really excited for whatever we record next. Yeah, it's gonna be. I'm excited just hearing you guys talk about yeah. it. So you guys started a record label. Yeah. Yes. And it's good. How are you? Good are you records? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tell me about Great. that. How? <laughs> when? How long ago did you start this, and where is it now? Right? Okay, so this yeah. actually goes back to Andy. Our, okay. Our, so here's here's the origin story of that. So. Well, I have, a, I have a booking company called mm -hmm. Paper Scissors. I've been doing yeah. like booking in Philly, mostly DIY booking, but also venues. Mm -hmm. I'm, I host about a hundred something shows a year. That's in Philly. amazing. And, um, oh, and I have a just here. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a DIY space that is now the longest running house venue in in, in Philadelphia. It's called Amador in South Philly. Um, we're like two hundred and eleven or two hundred and twelve shows deep. I want to um, go to one of these shows. Yeah. 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 February 22nd, Brian, our drummer's yeah. birthday, we're throwing a big and yes. Busy Bee Project, Dev okay. Solo Project. Okay, I'm playing. there. I'm and there. Brian, our drummer's uh, other band, Two Dogs, is playing. Sweet. And everyone on that show is a good How Are You label person except one band. Yeah. The Sharp Shadows from New York. Okay. Everyone else on that show are our label mates. Oh, nice. So, and it's, it's Chocolate Palooza 5, colon, Brian. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> so, back to the. But anyway, yeah, so. Um, so, but over time, like mm -hmm. a lot of the people who became the regulars of my shows, yeah. like, like the core group, the crew, not just who played them, but who, who, um, you know, were coming and supporting, yeah. you know, uh, we're just like this group of people. And Andy, when I first met Andy, like I think maybe the first thing he said when he walked into my house to audition on bass, when I met him from the internet, yeah. was instead of saying hello, he said, good, how are you? Um, <laughs> with no prompting. And... <laughs> 
I started to realize whenever I met any of his old friends or his other bandmates from his band Enar, yeah. so he put together, Andy booked a show for the first time, Andy had never really booked a show, and it was like a bunch of the crew from who hang out at my, a lot of my shows, mm -hmm. and Andy's band Enar was headlining, and he gets up, and like there's members of Secret Nudist Friends, there's members of other people he's worked with, and all these friends from like the last three or four years of his life, and he gets up to the microphone, I had known Andy a few months at this point, Yeah. and he gets up and he goes, good, how are you, and like a church, everyone went, Good, how are you? <laughs> and then, like, and then, uh, and Andy's like, Good, how are you? Oh. And everyone's like, Oh, good, all right. It's like, All right, no, good, good. Oh. So that became like this joke for a while, and I was pretty drunk and pretty high at the time. Yeah. And I remember going to everyone in the room in my babbling, was like, I'm going to start a music festival called Good How Are You Fest. It's going to be a, it's going to be an all South Philly DIY fest, like celebrating this community, and it's going to be amazing, and blah, blah, blah. And then we did it. We mm. threw our first one. Then so, in the fall, so it started as a music, a music festival, music festival. Okay. of DIY South Philly and, that and was Philadelphia. What year? Twenty sixteen. Seventeen. Well, okay. So this is what, good. How are you? Nineteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. And then in like the fall, spring of twenty seventeen. Okay. Then in the they went really well. Mm -hmm. Then in the fall, we did Great Have You Been Fest. <laughs> and then great. when spring rolled around, well, it was Good How Are You Eighteen, and then it was Great Have You Been Eighteen, and we're planning Good How Are You Fest nineteen. 19. But, so, as a, that was a paper-scissors yeah. thing. That was part of my booking company. Yeah. And it was by paper-scissors. And it was like this, it was after Great Have You Been Fest, I think. I think so. Yeah, and yeah, it was around in january -ish. I was like, yeah. so I do this thing sometimes when a show goes really well, where mm -hmm. I sit in the space by myself after. It's a thing I really like to do. And I like to just roll up chords and think. And just like, especially like after... Like a decompression, like yeah. kind of just like a ritual. Of after like, running a seven-hour yeah. show at, for three days long, after after doing sound for twenty-something bands yeah. and playing two Some sets myself. Some solitude time to like reflect. Yeah, and it's this thankful moment, and I remember feeling really sad. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, what else now? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I I remember I went upstairs. I was like sitting on the couch watching TV. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> sitting with Missy, um, and I was like. Should I like start a record label? Should we just do that next? Should we should <laughs> just, like, just add more is, yeah. like, is that ridiculous? And she's like, it's pretty ridiculous, but like, I guess so. It's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't really know. But I had these friends in New York who mm -hmm. run a, a pretty awesome DIY outfit called King Pizza Records. Yeah, okay. King Pizza, yes. yeah. And we they have become kind of legendary. Yeah, yeah, they are. They do the yeah. same thing. They do, they do Pizza Fast and they do like... Pizza Topia, they do all their fests yeah. twice a year, and they have like about 20 or something artists, and they've been doing it for like about five or six years now, and very similar, like different music, but like very similar community. Yeah. Like, they all support each other, they all play in each other's bands, there's so many overlaps, they all support each other's shows, they have like, there's two or three people in the group that do booking, some that do press, some that do merch, some that do art, and I'm like, well, we have that, and that's where it happened, and then... And it kind of started from like... Right, like already pulling from the people who had been doing the fest yeah. in the community, just people who were invested. And I feel like when it first started, um, even like, you know, Maddie was calling it a collective for Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I really truly don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, so yeah. it was sort like, of just like... I can book shows, but this is hard. I like the word collective. I totally understand. Because yeah. you know that you want all these aspects. And they are a collective. You just don't know how you're going to organize them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We're still so, figuring it out. Yeah. We're so, still you know, trying but, to figure it out. <laughs> one, you know, one of one of the big pieces of Good How Are You that like we've maintained through all of this is that the whole purpose is 
all of us supporting each other mm -hmm. in whatever ways we can so that we can keep costs out of it. We can yeah. keep, yeah. you know, and just continue uplifting each other. Like, yeah. you know, if I release a single, it just, I share it, you know, this group of people. But if everybody on my label shares it, yeah. because then it's, we all have this collective yeah. ethos, oh, yeah. and it works, it really does work. So that's sort of the idea. And that's what Compute always did too. It's like they don't have money. We don't have money. They have no, people no who care. I, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what you want. You want people who, who care, who have passion. Who have who, resources. Who, yeah, who have resources, who have something that they ha that everyone has something mm -hmm. to bring to the table. Yeah. And Figure it out more and, and keep yeah. providing more for each other. I think you will. I think in general, just having that open space for other people to kind of, to, to, test it out to see, you know, go to shows and, and, and talk to people and be able to, um, support, like, feel like they're a part of something. Everyone wants to feel like they're a part of something. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah. That's this whole community. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, K9 10 put it best is that they were a band that, um, existed 10 years prior, broke up cause they couldn't get their footing in the community mm -hmm. and all did their jobs and had their things. And got back together right before I met them. And I, they just sent me a cold email in my booking email. Yeah. I put them on a show. They're one of my favorite bands in the world now. And favorite people. In the world. And favorite people in the world. Like, they come to everything. They, they support. They're, we're releasing a, a split, uh, like, vinyl with them. Coming up soon. It's yeah. going to be our first vinyl. Good How Are You nice. vinyl. Moving from tapes to vinyl. Like a record. <laughs> well, that's what I was like, yeah, but through record. Like, it's still a record. He goes, yeah, but record i'm like record just means recording goes but it also means <laughs> record, record. Yeah, like, yeah they said what was so cool is that when they got back they weren't sure if they were going to stay a band again mm -hmm. and they said it's because they found a community that now they really 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 love playing music yeah. again and they care again because they don't feel so alone yeah that's that's one of the things is that you don't want to feel you don't want to feel i know so many bands that have started out and have just set who put a bar so high mm -hmm. and had just kept trying to chase it instead of just appreciating yeah. what they were making around them. So exactly. people have such this, like this goal of getting to like some sort of bigger record label or getting on a huge tour and being able to tour with. And it's just like, embrace what you have. Embrace just, just the don't fan. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have like, to separate that. The whole like ethos I think of the DIY is, don't shoot for whatever it is that's bigger than you. Just yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Do, Having make adjacent, something yourself yeah. that you like whatever it is you, you want that mm -hmm. means something to you, create create it in the way that you know how. Yeah. And we tour well as a result because we tap into those other communities. Mm -hmm. Like our tours go well because we're not chasing the biggest venue in each town. We find the best people in each town and they always that's find great. us the right show. Yep. They always get That's, the crowd out. Like just going right people. straight to the community yeah. before going to like a booking. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't go and look, what's the biggest venue? Like, yeah. I don't care what the biggest venue is. Like, the because biggest... no one can show up. I want, yeah. I want in going to, it's like a pizza party. Like, just just a straight up fun time. Yeah. We're going to... There, there better be pizza. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> there better be pizza. I wouldn't say pizza. I'm going into that, uh, being two musicians in the Philly scene, how would you describe the Philadelphia music scene? Oversaturated. To oversaturated? <laughs> Intensely so. Uh, <laughs> do you want to go on? Like, what do you mean? Like, by oversaturated? Like, how do you feel as a musician? I, I'll speak uh, as a person with mm -hmm. solo project first. Yeah. That, um, you know, it, it can be really, really challenging to... to 
be you, you can be established in mm-hmm. one community in Philly and literally be non-existent in every single other one mm-hmm. because there oh, are yeah. very closed pockets of DIY as well as like venue booking yeah. where it's like you know which essentially makes you feel like you're constantly having to prove your relevance mm-hmm. oh, in yeah. your own town in your own community yeah which it's so big cuz it's so it big and the thing is it's it's a really uh, it's a really good city for artists to live in. It's the best. Like, for so <laughs> many reasons. Yeah. So many reasons. It's, like, the greatest home base. But, yeah. like, be, like, bridging the gap between being an artist here and being, like, an established artist mm-hmm. in the community is super hard. It is. You, I mean, you know, even with Secret Nudist Friends, I feel that, you know, yeah, we, we would love to be playing Johnny Brenda's all the time. Yeah. And it's not that we're not good enough to do that or not no, established enough. No, we're, we're playing. Yeah, Wells. It's with Wells. I, yeah, yes. Um, okay. I I started listening to them. I actually just want to go to Johnny Brenda's to see you guys. Um, oh. Well, you, but, you should be because we got thrown in that show last minute, and we need people yeah, to come. Yeah, we need to. And like we're like the only local band on. Everyone it. goes Saturday. And we just had a big yeah. everybody hit show that everyone came out to, so they're probably tired of us. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I. No. What I'm saying is that like. You know, we would love to be doing that all the time. We know that we, like, theoretically, like, could. But the problem is there are also a million other amazing bands Mm -hmm. in this town that, like, also should be playing Johnny Brenda's all the time. So it's not one of those, like... So we'll just play Union Transfer. Right. (laughs) No, we... I don't care. I don't don't care. (laughs) No, it's not one of those, like... Actually, I think the issue is there are so many really good artists. Artists, yeah. Which is not a bad problem to have. No. It just can be a it, it can be a challenge, and we notice that especially like you know when we were on tour and we went down south, like oh we went God. to some towns where like the the shows were packed even though the people didn't know a single band that was playing because they just, they just, want they just wanted, wanted music. Show. Yeah, and here it's like you can have a stacked bill and no one comes. Can I speak to the booking aspect of that? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so as a booker, and like so, a friend of mine from New York finally understands that New York is easier than Philly. Yeah. Because Philly is considered largely, and I talk to promoters and bookers mm-hmm. and tour managers all around, yeah. I get 20 to 30 emails a week, cold emails, from oh, promoters, bookers, and that, trying to play just my house mm-hmm. as their first choice because people have finally caught on that if you're unknown in town, don't go play a bar, no one's gonna be there. Yeah. You Unless you have a great local support on there. Whereas at a house show, you might, you know, you'll play actually, with three locals you'll get and meet gas some people. Money. Yeah. yeah, and you'll get paid and you'll probably sell some merch. And well, people you know, come to house shows just to come to house shows. Yes. House shows are king in Philly until you're bigger. It really is. And like, well, warehouses, house shows, unconventional spaces. Um, but the thing about Philly is that, and I, I, as someone who has now tour booked a lot, mm-hmm. on any given night in Philly, there are 20 to 30 touring acts in town. That's crazy. Right? That's yeah, touring yeah. acts that need to then be supported by 20 to 100 local acts. So that means that on any given night, there are a hundred, there are about a hundred artists playing in Philadelphia over about 10 to 30 DIY Mm -hmm. and official spaces. How many people go see live music? Maybe a few thousand? Yeah. And how often do they do it? The average person sees live music, the average Mm non-musician, two to four times a year. So if all the musicians are playing the shows, yeah. and if most musicians are in at least two projects, 
well, who's going to come to the shows? Right. And yeah. if everyone's good... We come good, to each other's shows, but, like, we're all poor. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and if we're not playing them, yeah. then we need a night off. And yeah. most musicians are friends with other artists who have no money and work on conventional jobs yeah. and work at night. So that's why we have so many talented people to support all these touring artists come in, and then they go, oh, why wasn't the show good? And I'm like... Because there were 20 other good shows and everyone was playing them. Exactly. Everyone who goes to see bands was playing them. And you compete with other things going on in a big city. Of that, course. Like, because it's an amazing always, city. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a growing city. It's yeah. A, there's just stuff all the time. City. They'll yeah. be like on top of art shows, yeah. on top it's of... Tough. Yeah, it yeah, is. I think that like Philly, especially in, even in the last, you know, few three to four years that I've lived here, here, that like it's crazy how much... More saturated it's become mm-hmm. for well, artists. People are moving in too. Yeah, that's what I'm oh. saying. They've heard. They've yeah, heard. people are coming in, and even like on our tour, every every town we hit, we'd say, "Oh, we're from Philly." They go, "Oh, Philly's top of my list for the next." Where I'm moving. Yeah. And I kept going, "No, stay so, here. Yeah, stay you want to come here?" Yeah. yeah. It is, and I think that is so. Philly has this like huge melting pot of so many artists, so, so many musicians. And of all different genres, and they all kind of overlap each other. But I definitely, I want to know your perspective since you run a house venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, just I'm 32 and I have like social anxiety. And Me too. Without, I'm 32 and have yeah, social anxiety. And without knowing like a person or going mm-hmm. to a person, how would you tell a person if someone heard about a house show? What is your best advice to a person who might be scared to first venture to a house I have show? a really good answer yeah. for this. Yeah. Is that as a 32-year-old who a lot of people, because I, mean, I look like hell right now because I'm tired. But when I look when I look prim and proper, I can look in my 20s very easily. Most yeah. people assume I'm in my 20s, but I was doing you know classical music for seven years mm-hmm. and wasn't doing this. So I missed out on <laughs> my early 20s doing this. You know, I, I haven't been... Getting too, worn I, down. I haven't played a show between 17 and 26. Oh, Okay. Or eighteen and twenty six, isn't that wild? Yeah, I was just doing right. I was doing opera and orchestral stuff and theater. But um, anyway, so I came back into this. My I started going to DIY shows when I moved to Philly in my mid twenties. Yeah, and I had gone to them as a kid mm-hmm. in New York. But I I felt like some of the places I went, even in like my mid twenties, when I was at a party where everyone was under twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Even if the music was good, it might not have been the atmosphere for me. Yeah. So I think, and then I go to some space, you know, every space has a certain atmosphere, has a certain culture around it. And I think a lot of places are just college party houses. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it's just... But but you have to know that you're going to a college party. Whereas I run my, like, I mean, like, the key has said I run my venue better than a lot of bars and venues in the city because Mm -hmm. I have sound. I have someone manning the door. I have people doing specific jobs. I clean and organize and run sound equipment and I I do the best I can with my space because I'm trying to create more of a venue experience minus all the bullshit that comes along with being a venue. Venue. Yeah. Yeah. And people come to my shows who are ages 18 to literally 60 and I've had 60 year olds say I felt very comfortable here and I have 18 year olds who feel very comfortable and I'm happy for that because I'm not trying to throw a cake party I'm yeah. trying to throw a musical event and people respect that space and respect each other and I love watching a 20 year old meet a 40 year old and neither of them have any clue that they're so different in generation yeah. that they're all there for the same reason whereas I've gone to shows and even as someone who goes to shows and runs shows mm-hmm. four to five nights a week where I'm like I just feel 
like I'm too old to be in this room for no other oh, reason yeah. than I think I just crashed your party. Yeah, and so sort of on the flip side, nothing to do with age at all. I also totally understand like there's this anxiety about I'm going what am to I gonna do? House. I'm just yeah. going to someone's house and what if I don't know anybody but everybody else knows each other and then I'm just this weird person who's standing in the corner yeah. and like I wanted to see the music but like maybe I should just stay home. Yeah. Um and like that I definitely I personally have felt that I mean when I moved here I I knew that I wanted to, you know, go to the go to house shows and stuff and like the first couple I went to, honestly, this is my advice is bring people yeah. with you. Don't go alone because it's really it, and then maybe eventually when you get comfortable you can show yeah. by yourself because you've met people, but it's really intimidating at traffic. I had I had somebody um who I uh encouraged to come to our last fest mm -hmm. for like um purposes of like you know networking, networking like, and yes. stuff. Socializing and yeah. uh, I didn't have a chance to talk to them during the thing because it was like there was so much going on and I got a message from them later and they said thanks so much for inviting me uh, you know sorry I didn't have a ch didn't have a chance to chat to be honest that environment makes me really anxious really? because yeah. there's like hundreds of people well, so over. many people who very clearly all seem to know, know each, each other, other. Yeah. yeah and it's sort of how when when you're trying to you know be in a space that you're not part of yet yeah how do you become part of it and you know I know for myself like it's much easier when you're one of the artists so you you show up the first time and you're like um I'm supposed to play tonight yeah and then as soon as you play you feel comfortable because you feel camaraderie right with the other musicians and people yeah. want to come up and talk to you but when you're just an audience member it can be a challenge so I would say if, if bring you a have, friend yeah bring a, bring a friend so you're not alone you know, maybe a friend who has a little bit less social anxiety than you do, right? And yes. just, you know, take the chance and show up and, like, strike up a conversation with one of the artists. Yeah. Also, or just a stranger just sometimes. Like, stranger. if you overhear yeah. something, sometimes it's just nice to, like, fake it till you make it yeah, exactly. and just, like, well, I have a station in, a in my spot where I where it's my spot. Like no yeah. one's no one goes. I get, oh, all my friends go there. I'm like, get out of my spot. Because <laughs> it's where I do sound yeah. and I do all the stuff from. And I'm just like, what's so interesting though is so what I, I think is so brave. So many people on their first show come over to me and strike up a conversation with me. And I find that there are people who literally the first few times they've come to my mm -hmm. place have only spoken to me and okay. I become their grounding. And I've been to other venues that with a really good host, and I'm not like tooting my horn. Yeah. But I feel like if your host yeah. is engaged. Oh, for sure. That, yeah. I mean, that makes a difference. And I would say also, like, you know, the times that I've run door um, at a show, I can tell when someone's never been there before yeah. at yeah. Trelf. And I right away I say, have you ever been here before? And they go and they kind of nervously shake their heads like, yeah. I don't know what's... Because you can tell because they're kind of looking around. They're like, where do I enter? Where do I go? Like, where am I not supposed to be standing? And they, like, yeah. knock on the door and I'm like, you don't need to knock. You yeah. know, all this that's why I'm glad the doorbell's yeah. broken. <laughs> so what I, but as soon as I notice that and I say, hey, well, welcome to Trough. Yeah. My name's Deb. Bathroom's upstairs. You know, like sitting... Trying to give, like, the mapping Giving of the map yeah. of the house and yeah. say, everyone's really nice. Feel free to roam. Yeah. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. Just yeah. Like, I think it's also necessary is to have a host, like you were saying, is that yeah, having a host. you want to go to a house, I don't even know who lives there. Yeah. Or, or no one is, so or like, what, also as a band, but nobody's running anything. Yeah. Like, that actually really bothers me. Like, stress, like just it's, hanging out in the living room, yeah. and yeah. like, you don't even know where you can, like, put your $5 in the dirty yeah. yeah. you know? And I, I literally, I've played house shows, unfortunately, a lot of them, like, 
where I could tell like this is probably the only time they're ever gonna do it. Yeah. Or maybe one of three times and they're just doing it because they like say whatever. But like that's always really frustrating and like there's not there's you know those will always be yeah. one of the types oh, of shows yeah. you I come would say, to. Like DIY shows, if you're if you're a person who likes music but they're searching for community. That's where you find I've it. I've met ninety percent of my friends. Yeah, you, you don't, don't find it when showing up at Boot and Saddle or yeah. you know you whatever. transfer or stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. Those, it's, so... it's like you're going like even last night at, at the you know Trash Boy show at Boot and Saddle. Oh I mean, I came with my friends and I watched that show alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. because and there was at least thirty or forty of our friends there. Yeah, everyone yeah. knew was yeah. there, but I was like, when when things were happening, the yeah. only thing like I couldn't really interact with anyone. All I was doing and was, was focusing great. on them. And like, sometimes you need that, but that if, yeah, I enjoyed that. What you're looking night. for is community and conversation. Oh yeah, you have to go to the house. Sometimes I prefer this. going to like Boot and Saddle or Union Transfer or Johnny Brent, especially Johnny Brenda's by myself. Yeah, just because I don't, do. I don't want Absolutely. to try to like shouting over. I want to like, drink my drink and watch yeah. the music. Exactly. Yeah. I just want to be like in there, and I, I think I realized this at a, uh, a older age is that now, I don't want to try to talk to anyone. I. It, I don't yeah. care where you are. If friends want to meet me, yeah. great. Yeah. After the show, we'll meet up. We'll talk. We'll hang. Yeah. Or That's like in between yeah. sets if we want to like grab a drink, talk. Um, so yeah. before going into your playlist. Oh, yeah. Is that um, what we're doing here? Yeah. That's, but I like this. I <laughs> no, like. I, I'm, I'm I having a great time. You're I very love, good at this. Oh, thank you. You're, really, yeah. like, you're, you're an amazing interviewer. Oh, yeah. great. You can I keep have... that in there. And like everyone, <laughs> everyone should come on and talk because yeah. I'm having. Oh, that makes me so happy. I was car sick and hungry and I'm really happy. Oh, that's great. It's the lemongrass tea. So before going into your playlist uh, that you both made for me, um, it was Lately and Forever. It was kind of a compilation of songs that you always listen to and what you're listening to now. Um, I wanted to know what was your first concert, especially now that I know that there's such <laughs> an age di there is an age oh difference. God, yeah. So Deb, what was your first concert? So okay, well I have kind of two answers. One is that my parents are both musicians, <laughs> and so like I grew up and they were Cheer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were taking me to like folk festivals and yeah. concerts. Like my dad was the, the president of the Acoustic Brew in State College, which hosted like monthly touring that's great or so I saw as a kid many many things. had a cool upbringing yeah. <laughs> but I would the the first like concert that I was like mom dad I want these tickets um uh, my sister and I went to see the Jonas Brothers. Oh my god. Oh wow. With yeah. Demi Lovato and the Veronicas. <laughs> that's great. The Veronica Wait, so the Veronica, awesome. I yeah, love they, the Veronica. I love the Veronicas, so but it's just so funny that the Veronicas on that show. On that show. Yeah, they were um, the openers. Yeah, the, they, and they were the It was it was in State College at like the equivalent of uh, the Wells Fargo Center. So like, is the football arena the, the football stadium? It means or? the basketball. Stadium. Okay. Cool. So it's. So it do you have a great memory from that show? Oh gosh, I I feel like I specifically remember this one part of the show where uh, Nick Jonas mm -hmm. got on the drum set. He's a, a very talented drummer. Yeah. And he he was he played a drum solo and then he he and like his brothers did this trick thing where they were like throwing the drumsticks back and forth oh, wow. and like doing all of these like really Certainly impressive yeah. like like performance performance yeah. tricks and and I also my other memory is that I, I wasn't really a big fan but like I went for like the, yeah you know because they were the Jonas Brothers 
And, uh, but I remember a, a friend of mine was like die hard Jonas Brothers fan, and Kevin threw his sweat towel. Oh my god. And she oh. had it. What about you, Maddie? Um, so it was the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Did Demi Lovato? Yeah, yeah, Demi Lovato and the Veronica's, I think. Oh my god. Until that point, I really hadn't listened to music. <laughs> so that's not, no. Um, so I think, uh, as a kid, I actually went to a lot of musicals before I ever went to shows. I was raised in a Beatles house. Okay. And with I was raised in a house with a lot of music. Yeah. But as a kid, I didn't see a lot of live music, but I saw a lot of musical theater. That and sounds I went to, so New York. I went and to so, so much Broadway. I went to so much, <laughs> and that's back when Broadway was good. Yeah. Because I'm 30, you know, this was the, the early 90s. This was the last dying breath before Disney took over Broadway. This was Cats. Yeah, I saw Cats, I saw Les Mis, I saw yeah. Miss Saigon, I saw, uh, you know, all the Phantom, I, you know, mm -hmm. when, when before like celebrities were in the shows, when there were like still yeah. musical theater actors doing the lead roles, before it was like, you know, the Jonas Brothers performed Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> No jokes, yeah. Well, Nick Jonas was actually Gavroche so, in Les Mis. That's really? what I'm saying. As a yeah. child. So I, I, saw jo I saw Joey Fatone in uh, Little Shop of Horrors when that shit was happening. That's great. Jo Joey Fatone, like, when it, like, is like, no Talking about Long Island right there. Oh my he? god. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> that's great. But, um, but no, but, uh, the first, like, concert, I can't remember which was first, so I'll just say both. Yeah. The first one... Uh, the first real concert was at the Jones Beach Amphitheater. My uncle, I was at, I was a kid, I was mm -hmm. a big Zepp head, I was really into Led Zeppelin. That's great. I used to know how to play like every Led Zeppelin song, as many, you know, people my age did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we went to go see Jimmy Page perform with oh the, uh, the Black Crows and do all Zeppelin and old blues oh. songs. Oh my god. That's on right. the beach, on the That's water. Incredible. Yeah. That was really cool. And Jones yeah. Beach is just a really yeah. cool That's fucking cool place. cool place I, to see it. Yeah. And the same month, I can't remember which came first. My first alone concert was at the Nassau Coliseum. I saw Rage Against the Machine, and oh, that—that's cool. Oh, that had to yeah. be really cool to see. It was really, really that, good. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, they were. Really good. And what, what the hell is his name? I can think of the, the same. Zach De La Roca. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally, he was insane. His hair was the biggest thing on stage, <laughs> whipping around, and I literally. Like, they had him on, like, the Megatron, too, and they just had these close-ups of his eyes. Whoa. And his eyes. He's a very look. intense person. Whatever. I believed yeah. him. I believed it. And I was very inspired. He believes everything he says. Like, he Whoa. is very intense. Where Jimmy Page yeah. looked like, you did a lot of drugs. Drug. You yeah. don't look too well. <laughs> but, but, man, at least you can play guitar. Because he's playing guitar better then than he did in some of those late Zeppelin recordings where he was just, like... Yeah. Blasted out of his mind. So yeah, that's that's mine. That's great. So um, before we go into the playlist, um, I want to play a secret nudist friend song. Can and I pee during that? Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, I we're gonna play. I can't love anyone. Quick rundown of the song. Tell me about it. So yeah. Interestingly enough, um, I wrote that song. As I, I was pretending, so the original one, I wrote it on an acoustic guitar during the press of episode, and um, because my my then best friend, who I was kind of in love with, um, I, I was pretty in love, and we had made our peace, and I was like, oh no, we're just gonna be friends. Yeah. Uh, and I'm poly and queer and all those yeah. those annoying things that us kids today do <laughs> at 32. And I, I think everyone's a little bit gay. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. true. Sure. And so so my, my my girlfriend at the time, who I was living with. Like, I, I just really wanted to be okay with the fact that this person I was, I had a lot of feelings for, mm -hmm. 
was like really hitting it off with the person I was dating and I felt jealous and I'm not a jealous person yeah. and I felt really angry and I ended up having a really bad like met like depressive episode where I felt really angry and destructive and my relationship even with 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 my girlfriend at the time wasn't going very well but I was like very much still hanging on desperately yeah. and I knew I should move on and I wrote I can't love anyone because I was listening to, by the way, very important of that night, yeah. I was listening to the first Unknown Mortal Orchestra album and trying to learn their chord shapes. Oh, wow. And they're all Unknown Mortal Orchestra chord shapes, which there's a lot of interesting things about how he grew up in a recording studio mm -hmm. and that was a funk and kind of like R&B studio. And there are chord shapes that a lot of rock players didn't use now. Everybody's using them. There's yeah. no lo-fi, like, kind of, like... Everyone loves to incorporate yeah. a little bit of funk. Yeah. Now. But um, I was kind of playing with the chord shapes, and I wrote a progression that was kind of, like, my little tribute to that. Yeah. And, wrote, and I wrote that song that night. And then it didn't become a, a Secret Nudist Friends song until, like, a while later at, like, a band practice when it just worked. Yeah. Um, and... The two things I was listening to that yeah. night were that album on loop, which has Funny Friends, which yep. is on my playlist, and the other album I was listening to on loop that night in my depressive episode was Hop Along's first album, which Kids on the Boardwalk yep. is on there, um, and I also wrote a Hop Along parody of a song that no one has ever That's heard that crazy. night. I wrote a song that was very Hop Along. But it was your cathartic way of getting through yeah. what you needed to get, you yes. had to unload yeah. everything, and you were yeah. you were listening to stuff, and you were just dumping yeah. out what you yeah. needed and to And I find out. that like, yeah. people really like connect to this song. I, I remember like some of my friends, the first time they ever heard us play it, came up afterwards, and they were like, I felt that so hard. Just yeah. this feeling of, you know, being frustrated of like, man, like everyone around me seems yeah. to be stable in these relationships and, I'm, uh, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not and I, I just I must there must be something I wrong can with understand me. that hundred yeah. you know? percent I, I feel like I, especially with how relationships are so fluid and how you you gravitate to, towards one person and we're so easy to like have one person be everything for yes. us and then we lose sight of like what we need totally. and then it just Definitely. kind of and then you just kind of look to other people and then you fall in love with other people mm -hmm. or you know there's just a million reasons of yeah. of love and relationships and then you're just like what the fuck is wrong with me totally. is there something wrong with me or is there and like there's i could go on a whole tangent of how yeah. like people aren't monogamous like mm -hmm. we're animals yeah. and it, yeah. we were like there we was monogamous tendencies. Exactly. Yeah. we have non-monogamous tendencies right. yeah exactly is, often when you're feeling like i can't love anyone it's really i yeah. love so so much, yes, yes. Yeah. it is. Yeah. That's why you're in the band. <laughs> anyway, but uh, real quick, also yeah. before you play it, I want to shout out to and say that this was a song that I tried to record three times and trashed the recording. Uh -huh. And when I was picking, when we were doing the split with Blushed, um, we brought it to the headroom with, um, uh, with Kyle Pulley, okay, yeah. um, who's in Thin Lips, who yep. played the sixth show last night. Just want to say again, Thin Lips is a great fun yeah. band. So Kyle Pulley at the headroom. I, I, so we were like, we were doing some like hanging out and planning about it. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's going to work. Cause the way we were performing the ending live, mm -hmm. I hated it and I didn't like it. Yeah. And it was the one part of the song. And I was like, that's what was stopping me from recording. Cause I hated it even more. Gotcha. I'm recording. Yeah. It didn't mean anything to me. It felt like it detached just from the end. Yeah. So Kyle, this, I, there's some videos of this that are great. I, so we were, it was like an 11, 12 hour recording day and, you know, we had limited time, blah, blah, blah. And I was pretty sick and my voice was tired and literally he made me 
he looped this section of where the ending of the guitar solo part and the vocal part and had me do no less than about 30 to 40 takes of both the guitar solo and the vocal track and he created the cacophony at the end. Oh, that's sick. Um, literally yeah. literally cut and pasted from just different takes and like everyone left the room except Missy and maybe Andy or Brian, one of them were there, but I went and I took a walk and I went to get some falafel and I went to go like scream into the void. Yeah. And I just walked around like get some Kensington, Fishtown, yeah. trying to like exist. Yeah. And when I came back, I said, I don't hate it at all. And I was like, thank you. That's and that was rad. it. And yeah. I don't think that song would have ever been recorded without Kyle. And I, I truly, really appreciate that. And so, no, I'll tag I'll tag him when I share this. Sweet. And be like, Love for the headroom and Kyle. I like that. I like the fact that it, it was a song that had so much, but like you weren't ready for it to be recorded. Yeah. Because and it pushed like, me. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's great. So we're going to listen to I Can't Love Anyone. And Maddie's going to go pee. Yeah. And... <laughs>
completely turns into your your forever. Yeah. Unless you don't like it anymore. Right. And then you show it. And then you delete it. And then you just get rid of it. So I asked you guys to make a playlist uh, lately and forever of things that you Are were recording. That? Yeah, we're oh, cool. recording. Hey, that. <laughs> I always like to pick different spots of um, yeah. when we're in midst a conversation. So and then I ruined it. Yeah, 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 like, no. no, it's cool. Yeah. We can keep going. Um, but we, so you both made two separate playlists of songs. Um, I guess I'll just do the like ping pong back and forth of it. Um, it's not even that we go through all the songs. I just wanted to know, totally. but obviously there's an approach of like lately and forever. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that you're listening to now and stuff that I you've always I did forever then, lately on mine. I did. Yep, you flipped. Did I, you flip? Did you too? No, no, I think I also yours is. Same. Oh, you did forever and then lately. I think I did forever and then lately. Okay, but the best thing about this is I just realized for everyone who listens to the podcast is that I now can add the Spotify links to the episode so then you can click on the Spotify links nice. in the episode yeah. description. Cool. On the playlist, there Deb, you had a song um by Diggable Planet. Yeah. La Femme Fatale. Uh how did you find this project? So th- this is this is a song that has been like intensely near and dear to my heart for a long time. I I actually was doing a project um, at some point in school a long time ago where I had to find like a hip hop song that was relevant to some sort of social justice mm-hmm. issue, which is super easy. Oh yeah. Um, but like here I am growing up in central Pennsylvania, you know, super white area. Hip hop capital of the country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like to be honest. The roots are from there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. There you go. I, I didn't know really any hip-hop yeah. at the time, and uh, so I was really nervous because I was like, I don't want to just like feel stupid and bring something that people are going to like judge, and so I reached out to like some of my friends who were really like much more into listening to all kinds yeah. of genres than I was at the time, and I kind of said, hey, I'm just looking for some places to start. And someone mentioned Diggable Planets as just like a cool hip hop band that has political messages. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was going through and I remember like putting this song on and thinking to myself that, well, one, that that was not at all what I expected expected of hip hop. That's I just didn't huh. realize that that's yeah, what hip hop could sound like. Yeah, because it's it's a narrative. It is, and it's so weird because you start hearing these like hip hop beats and like R and B, and if you're just playing it in the background, which I was doing, um, to kind of like get, see which songs catch my attention, yeah, yeah. and out of nowhere, like my head turns, and I'm just like. This is what they're saying. This is what they're rapping about. So they're rapping. It's, it's about Roe versus Wade and like Roe versus Wade and losing her rights. Yeah, and abortion and they're yeah. It's like written in 1993 story. and it's okay. more relevant now than so ever. It's, yeah. it's like it's not like low key political. It's like that we're, we're talking yeah. about this issue because it needs to be talked about and yeah. And it's like there's lines that it's like they'll make it a privilege but not a right acceptable uh, only to the rich. Like, yeah. You know, like they the accessible only to the rich. They they like really dive into it. Yeah. And so I remember like I found that song and I really connected with it. And I brought it to class and every nobody had heard it and they were like, oh my god, this song. And I was like, okay, I found a good one. You know? Yeah. And and any person I've ever showed it to like. Like there, it's become like a favorite song of like so many people I know. That just, group in general is one of those they groups are. that Diggable you should. I, yeah, yeah. where I'm from is one of my other favorite songs. We're gonna play just a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, because it's just so good. 
you can like hear that like funky beeps and you're just like waiting for it was 849 on a beautiful night day of July oh there was not a cloud to speak of so the orange sun hung lonely in the sky I lay prone in my cappy home thinking of fine happy Jackie and his jazz cat's horn sliding in a tape of bird on bird when suddenly rang my phone hey butterfly the voice said slip on some duds comb out your fro and slide on down to my pad the vibe here is very pleasant and I truly request your presence a problem of great magnitude has a rose and as we speak it grows damn who could it be I thought a juice I bought and rolled on down to her spot seeing rose I know slapping fives I like it I <laughs> press G5 but like looking some kind of sad with tears falling from her eyes so this seems like typical and then here and then it gets here you remember my boyfriend said that fly kid who I love well our love was often a verb Spontaneity has brought a third But due to our youth and economic state We wish to terminate About this we don't feel great But baby that's how it is mm. But the fans yeah. have dissed me They ignored and dismissed me The pro-lifers harassed me outside the clinic And called me a murderer Now that's hate So needless to say We're in a mental state of debate but yeah, you just don't realize. Yeah. It, it, it's like they, they, yeah. they, they cool. ease you right, right into it. It's one of those where it's like you don't realize that it, that they're about to send you a real message until you're there already. Yeah. I also like the delivery. It's, it, it reminds you of almost like it's more of a, a, a poet, like a standard poetry reading, the way they extend yeah. the words. Oh, yeah. It's it kind of like spoken words, like a flow. And like yeah. the other stuff, some of my other songs by this, this same group, uh, is like the, just like the most classic, like. Uh, old school hip hop, them just like basically introducing themselves, which mm -hmm. is which is like a very classic yeah. Yeah. that often happen. But it's super cool because it's called Where I'm From, and like each of their verses is talking about like it, it like a poem, mm. all the things that in like describe. So they were formed in the early '90s. One of so I love this. One of the members, which is known as Butterfly, is from Brooklyn, New York. Mm. The other one has that Brooklyn Lady, backbeat kind yep. of feel of the '90s. Uh, Ladybug is from Silver Springs, Maryland. No shit. And then Craig Irving, which is Doodlebug, is from Philly, PA. No shit. And they all yeah, they all baby. met in Washington D.C. Yeah. and began be, uh, began recording. So there's a there's yeah. a woman as part of the group, yeah. which is really cool, and she's an amazing rapper. And like they consider themselves partly to be a jazz group. Yeah, it has that that kind of almost like beat poetry delivery that like of those elongated words. Some like my favorite yeah. poets read, but that like extension of the words. Exactly. Yeah. Where you Super speak cool. The Super line cool. and find the words in your mouth. And yeah, like, and it's no, just like drawing it yeah, out drawing every out, time. Which ones yeah. You go quickly. And yeah. Slowly, yeah. The ones that you need to emphasize more. Oh my more. god! I love this yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna listen so to this. Good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Please do. See, yeah. it's there great. And uh, so you started yours out with a with like classic, mm -hmm. like defined bands, the yeah. Beatles with All My Loving and the Beach Boys with God Only Knows. They're mm -hmm. like two historically yeah. classic rock bands, mm -hmm. like rock and roll bands. Um, I know I this is- them both pop acts. Pop? Really. Really they're rock bands, but yeah. why they're great is that they wrote pop songs. That is true. You know what I'm saying? Is they yeah, were, they no, were rock they... These tons of bands were rock bands and never knew how to write a pop song, but the Beatles and the Beach Boys knew how to write a hook. Yes. So. I, I completely yeah. agree, and I love, I love that you describe them as that way. Um, yeah. I know that you said that you grew up 
listening to the Beatles, that it was a Beatles household. Was uh-huh. Beach Boys also like yes. a part of it? The Beach Boys, so my uncle, my uncle mm-hmm. Brian, um, truly just like, I really, truly think he might have been in the Beach Boys. I'm confu- I was confused. I thought he was that Brian. Yeah. I, I, I think I was confused as a kid when I realized he wasn't a member, former member of the Beach Boys. And he was one of the first people, like, he would always, to this day, I always think he used to go pentatonic, mixolydian, pentatonic, <laughs> mixolydian. Whenever I was, like, getting into guitar, yeah. he was really encouraging. He goes, he's like, play this one, play this song, play that song. And he just loved the fact that I was becoming a musician at one point. But, um... Got, uh, do you want me to talk about those? Yeah, two? yeah. Well, no, um, do you were... listen to the Beatles still, like the Beatles and the Beach Boys? I often? think the Beatles are the greatest band of all time. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those. I don't that... think it's a bad thing. I I am very fascinated by it because it's something mm-hmm. that I wasn't. I didn't grow up on the Beatles. I love the Beatles now, and I love the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I had to at a later point in yeah. life discover, appreci- them, discover yeah. and appreciate. I them. think I started there. And yeah, it changed every. It changes the way you look at things because so many people were influenced by the Beatles and all of their different eras. Yeah, and I think every era of the Beatles is important to me for a different reason, mm-hmm. both emotionally and musically. And like it was just music that was really important. For instance, like um, all my loving, right? Yeah. The reason I picked that one because it was funny. I was sitting, so I was in the car with Missy. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, I have to put a Beatles song because I, I was, you know, they're the core of everything I believe in in music. Like, they're the music. Like, yeah. if I had to only listen to one band forever, that old question, that's, that's what it would be. Yeah. Um, all my love because it was my lullaby as a kid. What? Really? Uh-huh. That's adorable. Mom, I now sing to the baby that I nanny. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and, <laughs> and my mother says, close your eyes and I'll kiss you. And like, that was I that, love that. That's what my, my mom sang to me. And, and as a child, only until I was about 13 years old, if my mom sang even a little bit, I would tear up. Oh, um, that, that just gave me like goosebumps just yeah. to know that and that like musical connection to the Beatles. Because I think a lot of times it's just, it's a... Uh, the Beatles can sometimes just be ooh bless you. Uh, it can just be a brand band. You know what I mean? Because no, they, they everything is yeah. And like you know. Well, and also it's like there's so much stuff that like most people don't listen to by the Beatles. Yeah. 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 That's also like. I'm still showing Brian songs. Is this a Beatles song? Yeah. Bri- like they, our, they, our they yeah. So much yeah. and like and which is partly I mean why they're so good is like the amount that people do know of them mm-hmm. you know is is incredible but like the amount that people don't know yeah. from them also is and incredible. i'm definitely yeah. one of them yeah. i'm constantly uh like listening to new beatles songs i don't also there's... all the beatles derivatives all of their careers yeah. save for ringo i'm sorry ringo didn't really do much after yeah. except mr conductor on shining time station <laughs> which is very important to me the shining time station theme song almost made the cut oh. but i couldn't find it on there but that's the the reach for the road, reach for the road. with George Carlin, right? Well, first it was Ringo Starr, oh, and George Ring- Carlin replaced Ringo. Oh, Starr. I did not know that. Nobody knows that. I, know. I, I only remember George Carlin, the but old I old episode okay. like, from like the seventies. It was Ringo Starr gotcha. in the late seventies. Think George Carlin helped on. Two people who make no sense. Right? Yeah, at all. Like, two people who have very like different backgrounds running yeah. a children's. Exactly, they're like, both very strange. Yeah, very but, strange. But um, but the, the um, what I was gonna say is what was interesting is that so then I was also like I was this like spurred my mind I'm like well what else is a forever? So I'm like what really really means what is forever? What's yeah. a song that to this day affects me as much as like all my love? Yeah, and I. I was toying with, is there a Beach Boys song? And I kind of was like, I wanted to put like vegetables because it's fun. <laughs> and I wanted to put like, like Little Pad, all these like quirky songs that I love to listen to in the car and all this stuff. But 
I've recently, this is the third time in my life I've done it since being a child, I'm re-watching in its entirety The Wonder Years. I'm I love The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. I love The Savage Brothers. The oh Savage God. Brothers are everything oh to me. Right. So much. But um, and I'm re-watching The Wonder Years and I'm actually having a really big dilemma. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, I can get into gender politics for a second. Yeah, go right okay. ahead. Free space. As someone who is battling with their gender identity on a daily basis to the point of everything from, like, security to, like, deep physical pain yeah. that it causes. Um, Rewatching The Wonder Years speaks to the boy part of me. Yeah. And the boy part of me has a lot of trouble existing, but I, you know, lately I've kind of been like questioning trans identities and things like that. And there's a part of me that did learn to be a boy. And there's a part of me like that was always a girl and there's a part of me that never wanted to be either. Yeah. And that's kind of still where I am. I feel like, you know, it depends it's just on the by day. day. Yeah. And, and like at the end of the day, I just don't want to be either. And there's, you know, it's a whole secret news friend song called Mirror about just like, I just don't, I have trouble looking you at myself because it doesn't match up. I have trouble being viewed by others and seen. Um, but the Wonder Years, rewatching it has really helped me like really hash out some, some toxic masculinities, mm -hmm. some, some like things that were said on the show that I completely accepted as okay. And now I feel really uncomfortable, but also these like, these ways that I was taught to exist, um, but I, you know, my proto crush was Winnie Cooper though, as a kid. Yeah. I had such a crush on Winnie Cooper, um, also Madeline later on. Mm -hmm. Kevin should have dumped Winnie and went with <laughs> Madeline, I just want to say. Because Madeline was actually interested in Kevin, yeah, and Winnie, Winnie ruined his life for years. But that's how I was in high school with like the women I was attracted to. I would like idolize these women in that Kevin Arnold way. I, was, I felt so kindred with Kevin, like, we're gonna make it, we're gonna figure it out. Because you're told at such a young you're age told. that you're supposed to find your sweetheart, yeah. and you're, like, you just see these things, all yeah. the Savage Brothers, from yeah. Boy Meets World to end The Wonder yeah. Years, is that you're just told that you're supposed to meet the exactly. one in middle school. Yeah, and that's and not that's what he did. And like... he, that was his neighbor, <laughs> and I actually had a neighbor, one of my neighbors growing up was like my the one consistent crush throughout yeah. my entire like school career. But what was funny is that I got to that scene and a lot of these scenes have made me cry again and I cry a lot because I'm a crier. My mom calls okay. me her mush, but um, I'm the mush. It's fine, I cry all the time. Yeah. I so there's that scene, it it's one of those you know very tumultuous like Kevin and Winnie, everything's going wrong yeah. moments where Winnie's like walking away and you know they play God only knows and I was sitting on the couch bawling, and Missy came home from work, and she's like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, Wonder Years got me real hard. <laughs> Wonder Years got me good. And then I was like, no, but the Beach Boys got me, because they wrote the song. Yeah. And like, me and Missy are both big Beach Boys fans mm -hmm. and listen to a lot, me, and me and Brian are big Beach Boys fans. Like, Beach me, Brian, and Missy are yeah, big Beach Boys fans. they're great. They're, um, they were a sound that was yeah. really needed to break out and kind of like yeah. start exploring. Also, like yeah. speaking of these artists, the two two of them, you talked about the greatest concerts of my whole life yeah. for Love were Paul McCartney at Firefly when I was played Firefly and got to watch from the artist section with, next That's to Cage crazy. the Elephant next to me. Oh my God. I'm watching Paul McCartney and I cried and sent Dying. my mom and sent my mom so many videos that didn't send because everyone's cell phones were jammed yeah. and sent them in their mom's video. <laughs> I think they never sent that. I had to show her on my phone later. Yeah. But um and then I also during another festival, Secret News Friends played um at Northside in Brooklyn 
I got to for free see Brian Wilson, Brian Wilson with an orchestra of like 30 people doing all the Beach Boys hits. See, Brian Wilson is one of those musicians that yeah. I just yeah. everything that yeah. is put out is just so emotionally like raw yeah. that I just he's, he's insane. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's he is. Did a you genius. ever watch the movie? Yes. Yeah. Well, I have a love for John Cusack. Oh, yeah. I will oh, yeah. watch every shitty John Cusack. Serendipity all yeah. way. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm pretty sure he ruined my love life. But uh, I just, yeah, Brian Wilson is just yeah. one of those, and to know a person, like, to know the pain. the pain that was, like, not only what was going on chemically in his brain that he can't control, yeah. but the pain that was, like, being inflicted by, like, his yeah, family. His family. And, and yeah. just knowing that people were, like, not giving yeah. him the tools to be... Like, he is yeah. a completely functioning, normal human being because right. he has the tools mm -hmm. now. Well, and it shows also just, funny. like... He, yeah, and he make, he mocks a lot of yeah. stuff that oh. of his, like, episodes that yes. he's had. Sure, yeah. and I think that, like, I mean, we know this, that, like, some of the most incredible creative geniuses are, were also, like, in very mentally ill and, like, oh, yeah. hurting very mm -hmm. hard and, like, didn't have the right resources and struggled with a lot of stuff. And, like, that Same is... Enough. Yeah, well, I was yeah. Saying, that is still very much the case and like maybe we have a better understanding and maybe like the stigmas aren't as intense as they used to be and like maybe we can open these conversations more but like the fact of the matter is like artists are a little bit crazy yeah we have a song think, we've written called and not doing well good. that's gonna yeah, be on yeah. our next record that we've been performing and we're, uh, we're still we have a song called i want to cry a song have, called i'm not doing well a song called mirror which is about were all these we songs have... made during the winter time yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of them. i want to cry like i i that's a song that, that i brought to the i don't the winter doesn't depress me uh, well yeah well you don't really i don't have depression i like the winter i get such terrible seasonal depression i was writing this song like literally like i'm not having fun underneath anymore. the blanket yeah. just yeah. like i was just i think one of the things is it's so hard that no matter because you both have so much stuff going on that should radiate just positive mm -hmm. right like thoughts yeah. and all that stuff but it's so hard to sometimes just you walk in front of the mirror and you're just like what the fuck are you doing yes. and you're just sad and, and you're like, just actually, like actually that i feel like that's we've had so many conversations recently about the fact that like Yes, music is a driving force of our lives. Music has saved my life. It's, it makes me so happy. But here's the thing: is that mental illness still exists, and life still exists, yeah. and, and responsibility money still exists, yeah. and all this stuff. And, and which we're means that yeah. you can play a, a show and feel sad, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with you. No, exactly. Is that like, like it doesn't there's save something? Everything. Yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't fix everything. No, and there's gonna be the days that no matter how good everything else is going. Some, there's just a spark in your brain and it's not your fault. There's just a spark in your brain that's either not sparking or sparking too, too much. much. Yeah. And it's just like making you shut down. Cause it was just, it was the other day and I was just like, I have all these positive things going on. Sure. And then you just look at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, yeah. no, I can't. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to yeah. deal with people. I don't want to deal with anything. Lately I've been like struggling going to sleep at night because I'm just drowning in this existential dread of just like the world. Yeah. I'm just overwhelmed by the world so much that like I just can't sleep because I'm just like the world is just a terrible place. There's a million things going and on. And there's a million things going on and I just I can't handle it all. And right? with a person who is just kind of, especially with the world like things that are so bad sometimes you feel selfish to be like 
this is this one really good thing. Like I just yeah. finished this song. Like self promoting yeah. on you yeah. know Instagram and shit all the time. Like oh, but I also know that. And then like, there's genocide in China. Exactly. Yeah. So then and then you're like thinking about that and you're just like yeah. But you can't live like that. You guys zoom far out and I go. The world is a collapsing ball of nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. This that is probably an accident. And that's what it's like. I'm gonna stop smoking weed right now. We're yeah. starting. Exactly. It's like. It, is this am I am I really here or is this a bad episode of Lost but, and yes, I just don't know where like I, I, really I really want to say something yeah, of course. to bring it back to God Only Knows yeah. I think God Only Knows is a grounding song for me I, I say why because I think God Only Knows is both an extremely joyful and an extremely sad song. Oh yeah. Because yeah. we don't know the relationship between the singer and that person. Well, we don't yeah. know if they're obsessing. I mean, God only knows we, might be without you. Yeah, that's yeah. so yeah. desperate. That's a, you know, it like, is. Like, like, also, as in like, if I didn't have you, yeah. I what would I be? Yeah. Or yeah. it could be a like you're saying the it could relationship. Be obsessive. It, could it could be. It could be toxic. It could be, it could be, be so a toxic thing. It could be so like, loving. Who, who would know what I am if I like? Yeah. If I didn't have, I have you. no identity. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. I I think I've lost myself so many times in that. But now I think as a person, I think I have like found a better, healthier relationships in my life. But mm -hmm. sometimes. When I hear that song, I selfishly want to tell someone who I love, like, that's how I feel about you. Yeah. But as but I said, like, it is selfish. Selfish. It is. And, like, you can't even say that to someone, so I can just enjoy the song mm -hmm. and the desperation and, like, the sadness it helps and the joy. You, it helps feel. you, like, expel and feel those yeah. feelings and without I, having to, like, unload it. Music exactly. Yes. Like, you, it, it tells your story. Yeah. Even though it's someone else's story, it tells your story of yeah. what you're feeling right yes. now. I was in the shower and it came on randomly the other day on my, like, phone playing yeah. there. And I literally just like stood there and I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. And I like, I, I walked out and I like said to my, my roommate, Cammie, I said, Cammie, how you doing? <laughs> just let like, me know someone else's feelings because yeah. I can't deal with my own right now. Yeah, anyway. um, but so you put Coop and I really don't yes. want to screw up this name. It's you, you Kimi? You Kimi Nagano? It's like another, it, I think they're the singer oh, yeah, or the yeah, vocalist. Yeah, okay, but okay. Coop, Coop is what I Coop know. Coop is what of. you yeah, know yeah. of. Okay, so um, Come To Me. It's a really cool band. They're like a Swedish electronic jazz. It's, their music is... <laughs> Billy's really full of those right now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. But they, they have like that... It's kind of like a modern Motown feel. Huh. It's very, yeah. yeah, it's it's very like full jazz band style, mm -hmm. but like, but yeah, there's this like other element to it that sort of is just this extra thing. So it's funny just because we were talking earlier about how both of your playlists kind of like emanate what you you both do. So you are very bass driven and guitar, even though... Um, no, I'm very yeah, guitar driven. Good, I, guitar. Even though I don't listen to it, like, it really, it really is such an important But it's voice. so funny because like the yeah. Beatles and the Beach Boys, there's yeah. so much strings yeah, in it. Right, and then right. you have all, you have like hip hop and R&B yeah. and jazz and it's all these like strong bass lines. And, this and that's is what like, I usually listen to, so thus I'm a fan yes. of Deb. Yeah. That's what I actually listen, <laughs> listen to. Listen to, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I know that it's important to listen to the kind of music that you write, and I kind of, over the last 
couple years have, have come to terms with the fact that I'm a folk singer. Yeah. Um, that's actually a big, that's yeah, a, a there is a grieving process that came with that because <laughs> I love listening to all of these like other yeah. things, you know, and those things make me feel something. But, and so does folk music. Yeah. That's why I also wanted to pick some songs that make me feel shit that's like the stuff a I lot. write. Joni Mitchell. Just. Oh. You put, yeah, you put Joni Mitchell on and you're just going to cry for days. Exactly, that's literally, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly, and and so, but I think that it's like, you know, understanding that, you know, the, those influences, like, contribute in many ways to the things that I write and feel, mm -hmm. and that, like, I think it, what, what's so important is, like, I can sit here and say, yeah, like, I'm a singer-songwriter, I write folk music, and then I'm like putting on, you know, the, like an EDM song yeah. for you, yeah. and people are like, it's cognitive dissonance, you know? But I think that... But for me, it's not. Your sound, you're f figuring out like your personal sound is folk, but that doesn't mean that the music, the folk music that you write is, is inspired by other folk musicians, it's inspired by a... a, a my existence. Exactly. The last Busy album is great it's because it sounds album. weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I the love Dream Pop. Yeah. yeah, it's like what, like it's, it's sort of yeah, it's like this. It was a weird experimental like recording mm -hmm. project thing I did. See, that sounds like a folk album to me, not a yeah. Dream Pop album. <laughs> it sounds like a folk album by someone who listens to Dream Pop. Yes. Well, and <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And I think that's the point. And and you you'll see like uh like my song Is It Worth It the one that's mm -hmm. like it's amazing how the green just mm -hmm. smooth as chocolate. That's a hip hop influence. Yeah, just that instant flow of like yeah, that like, fast. I do a lot, like yeah. I do fast word stuff. I sometimes do spoken wordy stuff. Like I I love to pull elements in from the kinds of things that I listen to because like that's you know that's what we all do. Yeah, and yeah, and, like Coop is, is you know I I also you know I'm a person who like I I really connect a lot with sort of like jazz band style music I always have. I really like listening to like big band kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I love like a good trumpet solo that it's, like kicks I ass. I love horns. Oh my so gosh. Good. So there's two things. So I'm going to play Coop uh, real quick for other people to hear, but this, I'm going to play two things that have horns from each of your playlists. Just, uh, it's so good. It makes me happy when, because I have never uh, listened to them before. It's like a Christmas pop. Oh like yeah, totally. Yeah. You just want to like, and the, and the lyrics are just perfect. Huh. Right? What is this? Where do you find this shit? <laughs> Great. Like, how can you not be happy and like just yeah. want to like dance around? Yeah, and... that's what it is. It's like for me, that's a song that like I I've been listening to forever, just because it's just like a feel good song. Like you, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like the songs that will like pick you up. And I just... fuck the yeah. pain away on my playlist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Peaches. Yeah, Peaches, I mean, just... Peaches is amazing. Peaches is one of those artists that are is unapolog unapologetically herself mm -hmm. stay like says what is on her mm -hmm. mind at any time again going with like gender roles is very yes. fluid yes. and is very vocal about it and was very vocal about it in a very early time before uh -huh. anyone was willing to talk about it and I don't know if that's like the Canadian side of her just being like <laughs> of just being like I'm not I don't care what like, you I think yeah <laughs> exactly we're we're like 10 years ahead hey. of you America hey. 
Um, <laughs> but like, no. Any listeners are all turning off right now. Yeah, they're, they're like, just like, like, they're like, like hockey. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't care about Canada. Um, but no, Peaches is great. Fuck the pain away. I was at the gym earlier and I was just like, I want to listen to fucking Peaches right yeah. now. That's what I'm going to do. Just hearing it. Um, no, no. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, but going into, uh, the cleaners from Venus. I have to fucking talk about this band. Oh, yeah. um, I, I'll, I'll talk what you talk about. So I'll talk yeah, about it. so you put Jangling Man on. I listened to the song. It instantly made me just be like, what am I listening to? And then I looked them up and I got so fucking mad. I, I've been <laughs> No joke, that, that's what happened to me. I spent, uh, when I first heard it, and then what was weird when I first heard it, for some reason, so I first heard it on a playlist. Mm-hmm. My sister's boyfriend, who's an incredible musician, his name is Dan Kessler. He plays at a band called the Morricone Youth, okay. which do live film scoring. They're a like experimental. They they, they put on a, a, a film movie. or a piece of a yeah. film. You know, they recently performed um, at Union Transfer and it was killer. Oh, that's um, cool. What film did they do? Um, they did. It was on Halloween, so they did different horror movies, like famous oh, horror movies from the, cool. from the fifties and sixties. Um, like a very noir t- style. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they did like Nosferatu as, well, as their closer too. That's yeah. but, um, I love just eerie music. Yeah. yeah. But um, so Dan just makes some killer playlists. His his most famous are his Christmas playlists, mm-hmm. which honestly are, are heaven on earth. <laughs> but um, like it's a family tradition that now on Christmas. Uh, my sister screams about it and we're like, we have to listen to all of Dan's playlists. <laughs> From start to finish. Me and my sister are, are, are Jewish, we don't even give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, but, um, so we were in the car driving and we were up in like Poughkeepsie, New York, where he's from, and he put it on and he's like, oh, he's like, Maddie, I think, I think you've really, so he's like, Maddie, I, th- I think you've really did this. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, and he started like, give me a brief yeah. history. And I think I spent the next week like obsessing, and you know, the first one he showed me was the big hit, uh, Only a Shadow. Yes. Um, which is a perfect Which song. I still didn't know the big hit, which pisses me off again. Yeah. Well, weirdly <laughs> enough, what's interesting is that, I, you know, in my research and in my jumping in, you know, yeah. we found out he created the first tape label, so thus he's my, my idol. My idol. Yeah. Um, was a disillusioned person who loved the art of pop music and how rock and roll embodied that yeah. and, you know sought out these like ideas and these melodies that and he was he was a huge Beatles fan he thought the Beatles were everything and he used to and I told you earlier yeah he believed that he was trying to find what inspired the Beatles because he very much like me believes that music exists and we find it we find yeah. music because it's it's there it's, we it's don't create been our, it. yeah you know we we, we, we hit something and it makes a sound, but we didn't make that sound. True, that sound was already there. Yeah. And it was there. And he's very much yeah. into that. And, but he only records on four track recorders. And the only reason that the cleaners from Venus are not famous, I was reading this whole long essay that like major music critics from like every major, and they mm-hmm. all said the cleaners from Venus would be the greatest pop rock and roll band of all time mm-hmm. had they conventionally recorded their music and distributed it and distributed yeah. it but they only did it on cassettes yep. and until only about 10 years ago you couldn't even get half of it yeah and even in an interview with him he was asked how many songs have you recorded he was only one third of the way there because there were people so obsessed with his music that he had forgotten half of the music he had put on cassettes and distributed yeah and people are still finding songs that somehow like we're lost, and some people are saying they're some of the best ones, and he just kept churning out wow. these records. There are, or tapes. yeah, he is by. Uh, we were talking earlier Martin about Newell. this. Is yeah, is just that the fact that 
he went against everything in the 80s that any band would would be stupid to yeah especially in europe like Mm -hmm. just being like no i'm not going on a record label and they wanted him they wanted wanted him him. and but with like he said no because at the time and still to this day but definitely there it was like the staple of a record label went in found a band and found every way to change that band Mm -hmm. to make it into a project that they found that they thought was going to sell and that they could make money off of and of course there's always that when you get to that level of wanting to make money and but as a a musician you don't want to lose who you are you don't want to lose that part and it's really a struggle and he was the ultimate like fuck you i'm not that's not happening like I am going to just distribute my music. I'm going to make the music that I want to make. No one was doing four tracks. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Ariel Pink and our Steve Moore, all these people, mm-hmm. this is the godfather of all of that. All of the lo-fi bedroom recorders with computers, they're yeah. all the descendants of freaking Martin Newell who started that scene. And it's just a sound that like, <sighs> I just get so mad and so <laughs> jealous for so long that at 32, I, I, I now, know. and I always consider myself like a person who psychedelic rock and mm-hmm. like, and, and a lot of lo-fi and early lo-fi, I, I feel like I have a good foundation and I have a lot in my like vault of knowing. Sure. And then this comes on and just like takes me for a whirlwind of like not being. Good luck listening to all of it too. Because I have, yeah, I, I, I've, I, been, I've been trying to listen to this for like a few years and I, I get exhausted because I get overwhelmed. I just keep listening to, I told you as soon as this, as soon as I found it and it's one of my like ADD and moments of, I find that artist, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to know more about it. So then I go cool. look it up and then I end up listening to like 20 songs. Uh, yeah, I just like forget about that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I'm like, why? And I'm listening to like the entire discography of an artist that I found like that day. It's <laughs> so good. And I just don't understand. It's so good. Um, I am going to play uh, The Jangling Man because everyone needs to know this. So this is on our, uh, we made a, a tour playlist that we collectively made. And this was, this was one that was on there. I, I played, I, I, I snuck this up in the rotation a few times. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Wait for the chorus for that part. I know. It's, I just, I just want to listen to all, all of it. All of it at all times. It's so simple too. I told you, as I listened to probably like 20 songs, and as soon as Mercury Girl came on, okay. I probably listened to that song 20 times. After the chorus of this, fill yeah. Mercury Girl. But here's the, here comes it, here's the part. It's just, talk about joyous moments in music right here. It's fun. It's great. It's still perfect. And then at the end, he adds a tag to that chorus, and we dream. Yeah. Dream. And it's it's so, it's so oh, good. It's, my heart, I'm crying a little. I'm getting a little teary. I'm, I'm getting a little teary. I'm so happy. This is why I want and everyone. That's not even their best song. I know. Yeah. There's just so many that's of them. That's just the one I'm into right now. It's so many. And I learn so much from them. I learn, and because they don't have that's done on a four track recorder mm-hmm. in the early '80s. You know, on one album, he dismisses, he says, I'll never use a drum machine, the next album's all drum machine. Yeah. On an album after that, he has a drum machine that he puts through guitar pedals, because guitar pedals were getting big, and like, 
just like finding, just playing yeah. around constantly, yeah, but like no, no really MacBook Pro no. at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that how music was once made. Yeah. Uh, so again, so many, yeah. so many good songs on here. Um, we you talked about Peaches fuck the pain away. Whereas <laughs> Peaches, so was Peaches like a. Uh, early find like what what type of like how did you find peaches i love hearing the stories of how people found yeah. peaches because it's always a unique so I, t I talked earlier about how part of my life was taught how to be a boy but mm -hmm. then i had this my 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 theater and chorus and music friends mm -hmm. i we had this it was Kristen Kristen Lavin's house which was right by my high school so we could go stay over there yeah and Kristen's mom who we called schmom um <laughs> Cause she was our sugar mama and she, 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 she made us food and gave us a place to sleep. And the, the only rule was please don't have sex in my basement. Please don't do anything that you, I would be really upset about. Yeah. And we respected that, but we had these big pile sleepovers mm -hmm. and we would listen to lots of like, and it's like everyone there on some level had a queer identity Yeah. and we didn't really understand it. And it was like, you know, Trying to find my first, you know, my the first boy I, I ever kissed was there that I, you know, my, I, I first realized that I was going to date a lot of lesbians. Yeah. Um, uh, and people, lesbians, were telling me, well, I date you because you actually are what I look for in a woman that I date because you're kind of confusing. And, and like, a lot of yeah. my early gender roles were understood there. And that was one of our party songs. And yeah. And that's how I found it. And it was like, it, like, I book. think she would be ecstatic to yeah, hear that. She would, I she think hearing so that honored. story, you I listen, think she would be ecstatic. RuPaul, yeah. We watched, we watched Veggie Tales and, and <laughs> talked about like like we shipped the characters in Veggie Tales of who secretly it had, had like secrets. Like, yeah, we sarcastically watched <laughs> Veggie Tales and, like, and we watched a lot of L Word. Oh yeah, I love L Word. Um, and we listen to a lot of Ani DeFranco too. Oh, of a course, Ani. Ani. He was one of the first people you compared me to. I know, when because really? you reminded me of the sincerity and also that, that almost a little bit of like that hip hop flow that you have to your words and the poetry and the way you play with words and the, the way you color things and busy bee stuff. Yeah, like, that was Ani one of the reasons. Yeah, amazing. And she was just very revolutionary yeah. in her sound and constantly always working yeah. on it. Um, yeah. I like that. And I think Peaches, like I said. And Fuck the Pain Away is just also just, it's it's still just one of those songs when it comes on at any any playlist I put it on, there's someone who's gonna be happy with it's it. It's so Someone's sure. gonna be excited. So good. Um, you also had um, Weezer, El Scorcho, yeah. off the Pinkerton yeah. album, which is like the most fought about album between Weezer fans, yeah. if it's Blue Album or Pinkerton. Pinkerton all the way. All, exactly. <laughs> there was like an S&L skit. Of I know. I, I, saw the yeah. I, I made them all watch it because, oh, yeah, it's sure just, it. yeah, because it's sort of just like, you know, well, of course, like, they're also from like the music community versus like the mainstream world mm -hmm. talking about how like Weezer ran itself into the ground and became like the antithesis of what Pinkerton. Oh, you don't like that Toto? <laughs> yeah, I love that Toto. Do you? Yes, You're I, the first person I know. Who I'm a sucker for covers. I, I, I see, like, I'm a sucker for Africa by Toto. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, I, I just um, didn't understand why. I don't understand where the Teal album came out of, oh, like, yeah. why well, it happened. You know, I think that, like, Weezer is a really good representation of, like, I mean, you know, so Pinkerton was written when, like, that dude was depressed. Yes. Yeah. How selfish do you feel sometimes that you wish an artist was still, was in was, a bad, place, was in a bad right? place because you know, the music that came out is one of your favorites. One of my, exactly. Yeah. And that he, you know, afterwards was, you know, really embarrassed by that album and it did terribly, Quit. Quit. Yeah. you know, and like, right. So it's like, you know, 
but it, which is such a shame because you know to me I'm like the things that I tend to connect to are these things that are raw and are, mm -hmm. are recorded funny. really well. Like, yeah, I love it those is recorded really because well. it's funny. Funny, it is. And, and also it's genuine. Like that's a song I remember. Like the first time I heard that song, I, like I was really just I was starting to like really listen to music. Mm -hmm. I was in like probably sixth or seventh grade. Oh, that hurts so much because I, I was in high school, yeah. like college era. But that, <laughs> yeah, so, but we, we, we hit it at about the same Yeah, time. exactly. Um, I was just like graduating high school when I was, when I was like... huge Pinkerton fan. Yep. Just put on the record. I, yeah, that, that was yeah. my, I was obsessed with that album. And I remember like specifically, um, I don't remember if like we were dating at the time, but like, you know, one of like, like my very first like boyfriends who like I was in my first band with, mm -hmm. um, was like, emailed me. It was like, I just listened to this album, like Pinkerton. Um, the first time I listened to it, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. And he's like, and then I listened to it again, and now I've decided it's the best thing I've ever heard. It's definitely a second list. I remember second listening to Pinkerton second because listening after to listening to the Blue Album, you're so used to that like pop. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, um, like kind of like. And, yeah, and the, you go, what the, the back and forth. This? And then yeah. all of a sudden you listen to Pinkerton and you're like, what am I? What's, what's happening? What is. It's, yeah. It's a moment of inspiration. It's, yeah. It is. And I remember, so I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it twice. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a very similar feeling for me was like, you know, the, the first time just being like, I don't know if I like this. There's something that just feels like uncomfortable about it and it's like noisy and then I remember like the second time around just being like holy shit yeah. I think like, yeah real feelings I think also they they're a band that came out in the time that every band like once you put out an album and you hit that kind of success you were putting out an album that sounded yeah. just like the other one yeah. and sounded like just like the last it was one the last, it was the last dying breath of the labels yeah, of the big labels yeah. the big labels were still relevant in the rock and roll yeah, world like that, that were trying to scoop up the kind of like the in, like the independent bands yeah. that needed that they wanted to kind of exploit yeah. and so radio still existed and, and CDs were set yeah up, you know? and people cared to keep hearing the same sound over and over mm -hmm. instead of right, they wanted just more it's yeah. like the Consumerism. It is. It was just know. like I want this. I want the blue album in a like the same thing over. And Weezer mm -hmm. was just like, fuck you. Yeah. That's why they made Maladroit to kind of make a blue album. Wait, well, yeah, anyway, exactly. Now, now, we're, no, now we're really right. getting into that SNL skit. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we are turning into the SNL. I know, and it's such a funny debate, but I think the reason why it's it's so like people are still talking about Weezer mm -hmm. like this is because they represent something that every artist fears. Yes. Which is doing the best thing you've ever done and then turning to fucking trash. And actually, well, Missy said something funny the other day when we were talking about mm -hmm. the covers album that just came out. As she's like, I don't really know what Weezer's doing. She's like, either they're about to be the most successful band in the entire world or they are going to just run themselves into the ground. Oh, yeah. I think I think it's yeah. going to be the latter. Um, <laughs> so um, before ending... Um, today's episode i want to play a quick game now that we're talking oh. about covers it's um i kind of made this up just because i like to hear different input and now that i have two okay. people yeah um it's called original or take cover i will give you a song mm -hmm. and you choose the original artist or the artist who covered it sure. oh. yeah so the first one i'm going into is going to be hurt either nine inch nails or johnny cash oh Oh yeah, <laughs> the looks that I just got from both of you was like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> I'm scared. Maddie. Yeah. <sighs> Johnny Cash or Nine Inch Nails? I have to go. I have to go with Johnny Cash. 
Is it because you just feel something? Yes. Just so much more. Yes. I think there's more. I actually like Nine I've never yeah. been a big Nine Nails fan, and I like what they do with mm -hmm. music, but I think that Johnny Cash is just a raw artist. Love him or hate him. Yeah. He's someone who I think the, the, the speaking of rawness of yeah. that speaks more to me. I was going to say the same, that I, I feel like I trust the fact that if it's Johnny Cash, that it'll probably be, like, yeah, good, and I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> about what Nine Inch Nails would be yeah. up to. Um, Nine Inch, I was never a Nine Inch Nails fan. Um, I know a lot of people that appreciate them. I like the culture I can, around them. I can, appreciate, <laughs> I can appreciate them as a band and what they've done for music and how they've kind of, like, also transitioned as a, a bigger band with mm -hmm. what they what what type of music they make yeah. but with johnny cash and like knowing the backstory that he recorded this song like a couple months after june died and mm -hmm. right before he passed away there's like that tragedy I know it was that. Is that yeah what it, was? it was it was yeah. right after so it has like so there's so much more feeling and so even johnny cash is happy i'm like you're right too yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> so the next one is Higher Ground, Stevie Wonder, or the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, well, the, so the thing is, if we're talking strictly bass playing, I gotta go with, Chili Peppers. Devon's a flea bass. Yeah. I do from my, <laughs> my early days of bass playing, because as every bassist has yeah. to worship flea for a period of time in their life. Um, if anyone wants to buy it, we're trying to buy it. And I actually can bass, play this bass song. I can't, yeah. We're trying, buy, we're trying to buy. We're trying to buy a Mustang base for Deb. We got to sell this flea base. Oh, really? Which is a collector's item. It goes for like a thousand bucks. Oh, yeah. holy yeah. shit! So but but yeah. I, I, in in terms of just like pure artistry, Stevie, Stevie Wonder, Wonder is hands down, no doubt. Also singing, obviously. Yeah. We'll never. I gotta give it to Stevie. <laughs> well, I gotta give it to Stevie, but I'm tipping my hat to, to the baseline. Yeah. That's why I chose red this. Red hot song. chili peppers. Oh, you're going straight wow. red hot chili peppers. And I'm gonna say why is okay. that I heard the red hot chili peppers first of oh. this song. Actually, me too. Yeah, I heard it first, and I was a pretty big Blood Sugar Sex Magic era mm -hmm. chili peppers fan, uh, and then I kind of lost after they kind of got a little. Is that to get a little, little too schmaltz? Yeah. Too, and like, <laughs> I love the Yiddish that you're just throwing yeah, in. I, so much. Yeah. And like, I, I also, I Maddie's also doing think, enough for the both of us. <laughs> I also think that uh, Anthony Kiedis needs to learn that every word does not start with la la like a it's it literally so goes, people, people. It is. But anyway, I think that I think the energy in the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm -hmm. one is more captivating to me. That baseline right off the bat so, is so hard. The singing, I, like, I like yeah. the singing better, and I like mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder. I, I've never been a huge fan, but I like Stevie Wonder, and I've listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And I think Stevie Wonder is an incredible musician who I've put a lot of time into, and I like Stevie Wonder much better than the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But in that song, if I had to put one on right now, you Chili Peppers one would do more for me. And this is why I love this yes. game because it shows like the most honest appreciation yeah. of a song, no matter Absolutely. original or not. I'm um, not listen to Californication. That oh <laughs> oh no, that will and, never. Yeah, I, I never want to listen to that song. Red Hot Chili Peppers really did something to themselves. Um, and then finally, uh, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen or Jeff Buckley. Uh, honestly, I like the Jeff Buckley version. Of course, of course. He just so tried. I I'm a huge Jeff Buckley fan, so like I'm biased. So I'm gonna automatically. But Leonard Cohen, it, 
he wrote the song and he yeah he established the song. Like Jeff Buckley made it famous in like the way that it is now. It's just again a tragic, beautiful song. Not Rip Springer, what's his name? Um, uh, the one who did the one in Shrek, what's his name? Oh, um. Oh. Why can't I think is of it? Is it Rufus Wainwright? Am I making that name I up? I have no idea. I think that might be his name, but don't quote okay. me on that. But that one's the worst one. That's actually, the worst one? Actually, a funny story about Hallelujah is, and my, my grandmother just reminded me of this recently, that when I very, very first learned to play guitar, I was uh, staying in my grandparents' house in Cherry Hill mm-hmm. um, because I was going to theater camp at the Walnut Street Theater. That's- and so we have a lot of overlap. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. Really do. This is why um, uh, it's great, uh, even being like ten years apart. Still, yeah, oh yeah, we have a lot of crossovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, my my grandmother was reminding me recently that every single day I'd get home from camp, go up into my room, get my guitar out, and play Hallelujah because it was the only song that I knew how to play on guitar. Which and is not that easy. So many no, it's chords. not. Yeah. So it taught me how to play all these the, different chords yeah. and how to strum That's the different That's great. Patterns. It literally maps it out in the lyrics. Yeah. If and you're, that, yeah. you get a music theory lesson. Yeah. But seriously, I played it <laughs> every single day. I'm going to hands down go with Jeff Buckley. Are you going with Jeff Buckley or Leonard well, Cohen? Okay. Are you going to throw us for a loop? Uh-oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say honestly. Mm-hmm. So I burnt out on my Buckley. Oh, you're burnt out. I okay. was a big Jeff Buckley. I think Grace was an album that I listened to so much. Yeah. So, so, so much in so many moments where I needed it that, you know, when you've just like tapped an album out? Mm-hmm. And, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Um, like, I was I've trying done it to like listen Ryan to it. Ryan Adams. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to listen to it. So only, only because I don't think I can listen to it anymore. And I, if I wanted to listen to that song right now, I'd put it on the microphone. Fair enough. I also asked when asking these questions, I asked Taylor, I was like, okay, so she picked Jeff Buckley and I go, but then the real heartbreaker was Kate McKinnon after Trump was inaugurated that Christmas right before and she played and Leonard Cohen had passed away and she did Hallelujah and I was like, how awful was that? Um, Right? (laughs) It was just like a, a, a knife to the gut. So I appreciate you guys coming over, hanging out, no talking music. I love I love all of this. Um what I know so Saturday, February 9th, Johnny Brenda's Johnny Brenda's Wells, you're opening up. Um it's ten bucks, right? Or I, I think it's twelve. Maybe 12. 12. 12. It might be twelve, 12. yeah. I think it's um, ten in advance, twelve at door. That's gotcha. pretty standard. I always suggest going to buy tickets for Johnny Brenda beforehand because it's a very small venue and yeah, it we sells just got out. Added on. It's not gonna sell but out. Also, bring your please, friends, bring, bring your friends. Don't say that. So say if there's good chance that it'll chance sell out. Sell well, out. Well, you should yeah. get tickets in advance. Exactly. <laughs> See, I'm cheap. I always just say buy in advance because you save two dollars, but make sure the surcharges don't actually make it more than anyway. Yeah. I always say it would mean a lot to us if the ticket sales were good in advance. Oh, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Honestly, honestly, I love Johnny Brown. Don't, don't be one of those last-minute fools. Yeah. Get your tickets in advance. And Deb, yes. De- we played Johnny Brown's before, but this is Deb's first this time my, with the band, so you've got to make a nice for Deb. Oh, yeah. I'm going to so. be there. Um, so what else is in the works? Busy Bee... You're, you just released a video. I, yeah, I just, this was like something I put together really quickly, but I'm sort of trying to re-energize a release that I did over the summer that I didn't really promote because it's I didn't good. want to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm doing some of that stuff and I actually, um, Maddie and I are working on a, an EP for Busy Bee coming out soon that we recorded on a, 
a reel-to-reel tape recorder from the 50s. Yeah. What? That's neat. That Missy found in uh, central New York in like a like a thrift store. Yeah, so, That's great. so stay tuned for that. That release is called Dinner for One. God willing, the, the machine won't break because yes. it, it's hurting. It's, it's, hurt. it's fighting. We're, um, we're crossing the fingers. Yeah. yeah. Everything. And then uh, we've, we've got, yeah, so we have Tropicalooza coming up for a Good How Are You show. On the 22nd, um, Busy Bia. Oh, I also, Busy Bia is also playing on February 16th um, for the monthly fund, which is... There's an organization that essentially like uh, raises m- bail money for people who have been. Oh, that's great. Yes. Okay. So I'm playing that the 16th. Mm-hmm. I'm at R- Inner Rhythms uh, Music and Therapy yeah. okay. Center. Um, also, the monthly fund picks a new charity each month. Each month, yes. Um, awesome. I, I found out about them through the band Upholstery, who's like a longtime art rock art project. Okay. Um, it's kind of half theater, half music, and they they yeah. They so the Azuka Theater is performing if you've ever yeah. seen that. Yes. Yeah. And Little One is playing, so that's gonna yeah. be a good show. And we have a bunch of stuff coming up in March. We're going on tour. We're going on another tour. We just came out tour. Then we have I know. Another tour, another tour. And another tour for that. Literally, we have so many that's tours. That's great, though. Also, uh, to plug, um, Blush, mine and Miss, Missy, the keyboard player of Secret News, yep. fronts a band called Blush that we have a split with, and I play drums in that band, and we have. Um, we're playing Johnny Brenda's for the first time on March 9th. Oh, nice. And so then, a month from now. Yeah, And okay. then after that, Secret Nudist Friends is playing Boot and Saddle on April 9th. So 999. If you Hell make, yeah. Make sure you don't go to Boot and Saddle and Johnny Brenda's on opposite oh, one. So remember, okay. February 9th, Johnny Brenda's. March 9th, also Johnny Brenda's. <laughs> and on April 9th, go to Boot and Saddle. Oh, I love it. <laughs> And you guys are on Instagram, Secret yes. Nudist Friends, Good How Are You, Good How Are You Records, Busy Bee Project, yeah. um, Blush Band, Paper Scissors Media, all of it. I, will, I live on Instagram. I will so end up tagging everything in the post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. Thank Thanks you. so much, Katie.